Welcome to the Pastor's Voice. I am Rule Sample, and I am talking to pastors and church leaders about the current issues of the day that are impacting their ministries and the people they serve. This is the second part of two podcasts with my guest, Alan Eason. Alan has been in various forms of ministry for over 30 years, in the pastorate, the mission field, and working with Chuck Colson at Prison Fellowship Ministries. We talk about the needs for pastors to be more prophetic in their ministry, as well as Alan's message for today's family of God. All of this has been happening while we still have an active church here in this country. We can't deny that we have seen mega churches across the country uh, in explosive growth in the last 20 years, is that they are technologically uh, advanced. They 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 bring in thousands of people every every Sunday. Uh, they are they are savvy in the way they go about marketing, and the people who go to these churches they're young. They're they claim to be worshiping, and and I, I won't dispute that. Is the church is the church effective in this assault on our faith today? I've seen and you've seen too, and probably many of our listeners have seen case after case after case, where a lot of the churches that are trendier, more trendy, don't stand real strongly against some very obvious things that the Scripture blatantly says we're supposed to speak against. You know, I'm sure a lot of these churches, and I've been a member of several mega churches here in Texas and for a little while in Northern Virginia, they're good in a lot of ways. A lot of them put more emphasis on the real preaching and the real pastoring being done at a lower level, like in community groups or life groups. And they do a great job there. But I've always wanted to see in the public assembly where the truth is boldly spoken. And a lot of times I've been disappointed. I understand what they're trying to do. It's sort of Bill Hybels approach you know, and up in Chicago, when he started Willow Creek and all of that was to get people to come in who were seekers. And they've had great success with that. The idea was to get people to come in and then get close enough to where they could be discipled by individuals. And a lot of that worked. However, maybe because I'm more of a public person and because I ended up becoming a journalist as well, and because I, I take more of the prophetic mantle than even the pastoral mantle for my own life. The way I see it, I'm the pastors are supposed to be also prophetic, or at least some of them are. Some are more pastoral, some are more prophetic. But those who are that the church needs to have prophetic pastors. And when I say prophetic, I'm not talking about necessarily getting visions about the future. That may happen. I'm talking about speaking to the present and speaking like the prophet spoke. And like Ezekiel said, if you're the watchman on the wall and you see the enemy out there and you come down and you don't tell anybody what's coming, then the blood of the city is on your head, you know? And I feel a lot of these megachurches have have let Christians down. It's not just the megachurches. It, it's everywhere. And it's it's... An idea, and I like I like your emphasis on the prophetic prophetic voice of the pastor. 
they're not trained to be the prophetic voice anymore. They are trained, I, I'll forever remember this, and I actually had a really good hermeneutics professor at, at, at Princeton, but even he said, well, it's not the job of the pastor to be prophetic. It's the job of the pastor to come out of the congregation to speak to the con- to speak to speak the words of the congregation. And that's not it, is that the pastor is quite often called to come down from the mountain and tell the and say to the people of God, these this is what God says today. And I think we are missing that. That's true. You know, I mean there's the there are the three offices in the Bible you often hear about. There's the the prophet, there's the the priest, and then there's the pastor. Uh, and the prophet is more usually the fire and brimstone type preacher and and the pastor is more the uh let's get the group together and sing kumbaya but let's also try to heal each other's wounds and help each other i'm not against i love saying kumbaya i sang it a lot in the 70s especially but but then you have the priest who is a representative of the people to god and who leads who's the intercessor who leads people in prayer and and they're all vital all those offices and the other offices in the church are vital, but the church needs that fire from the pulpit. You know, the Methodist church still has the image of the um, circuit riders and the fire, the flame of fire coming up around the cross. Those guys, when they went across the frontier from cabin to cabin during the second great awakening in America, they were fire breathers. John Wesley was a fire breather. You know, that's what caused that great revival in Wales and England and then in the United States and, and in this country. And uh, you got to have some of that. You got to have so, enough of it to make a dent. So the question is, there there is a lack of the prophetic voice from pastors a lot of whom have been just trying to lay low, bury their heads, and just try to get by and take care of their flock. And I can understand that. It's been a tough couple years for pastors. Sure. How, can we, how can we encourage pastors to take up that prophetic, mount, to, uh, that prophetic mantle and to say, this is, what, this is what the Lord says? How can we encourage them to do that? Well, you remember the story of James Kennedy? Um, I read that story way back when I was in Bible school because it was real fresh. It, it, he had just come out with Evangelism Explosion. He, with Tim Moore and some others, had done that book, which was one of my favorite books that I was reading in school. And do you remember in his story, he went to that church when he started? I can't remember the numbers, so I'll throw some in. But it was kind of for effect, but it, was, it wasn't big. It was like they had 100 members coming. And after he'd been preaching about six months, they were down to 40. (laughs) (laughs) That's the James Uh, Kennedy who. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. And, and I love that story. And then, then people started to wake up and he didn't change his preaching that much, but the congregation changed or the ones that were left changed. And then it started to grow and then it started to explode. And that's where they got the evangelism explosion from. And that often happens, you know. It um, that's there has to be there. The pastor has to take a stand on the word of God and speak a "Thus saith the Lord," 
and just stand up. And now more than ever, if you do that, you don't even have to necessarily talk about real controversial subjects. Just stand up and say, this is what God says. This is what the Bible says. You know? And we the, pastors don't do that because they're afraid of the consequences. They're afraid of of ticking somebody off or offending some power broker in the in the church, or uh, uh, driving somebody away or somebody disagreeing with them. And we have to encourage our pastors. It's fine. Is, is that the, if if we preach the word of God correctly, and none of us can do that perfectly on this side of the veil, but if we are if we are faithful in preaching, then then the Spirit of God will transform the uh, the people in our congregation and and therefore our communities, and we have to encourage our pastors to do that. Yeah, and it's God who builds the church. It's not us. We just sow the seed or we water the seed. God's the one that gives the increase. And Paul said, if I preach to please men, I'm not the servant of Christ. What is your message for the family of Christ today? Well, I'll tell you what God's really been putting heavy on my heart uh, for months now. I Every morning I do, like many people do, I do a pretty intensive Bible study and prayer time before I start the day. And I've been working through the prophets, uh, actually, for the last year, uh, through Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations. Now I'm almost all the way through Ezekiel. And one thing has, and I've read them many times, but this time it's really sinking in, maybe because of what's going on in our own country and around the world more than anything, and, and in the church, uh, the weakness that we feel in the, much of the church around us. Not all of it, but in much of it. And God is speaking through all the prophets at the time of the fall of Jerusalem, at the time the Babylonians are coming. And they came in a number of times. They took out people different times in different ways. Uh, Kings tried to buy them off. Uh, Kings of Judah tried to buy them off. And then everybody tried to ally themselves with Egypt. And then Nebuchadnezzar just had it. And they got smacked down destroyed, mass killings, what was left taken to Babylon, Jerusalem raised by the Babylonian armies. And God was telling them, this is coming, this is coming. And what what he was doing, he wasn't just warning them of the consequences of the sin of their idolatry, which he often called adultery, spiritual adultery in those uh, prophetic messages. He was telling them, And he often says, there is only one hope for you. First of all, there were two hopes he talked about. One was the hope for the people of God, for Israel. And that's where he began the different prophets. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, all of them talked about the coming Messiah and the Messianic kingdom that was going to come. That's the hope for Israel. But they weren't going to see it in their lives. And But there was a hope for them individually. And that hope was for them individually to seek God. And if you do that with all of your heart, Jeremiah prophesied, then you can find him. But you're going to have to seek God with all your heart individually. And then even Ezekiel talks about how the the, uh, destroyers are going to go through the city, but they will spare 
those who have been marked by the man with the inkwell, and this is all symbolic, very much like the book of Revelation, where you have the mark on the forehead of those who are pleasing to God. And Ezekiel says they will be spared those who sigh and cry after the afflictions of Jacob are the ones that received the mark from the man with the inkhorn. The others would be destroyed. And they were at the end. There was no more hope for them. But for those who were still sighing and crying and seeking God, they would be passed over. Sort of like the Passover in, you know, in Egypt. So the message, I think, for the church today is it's got to start with you individually. Whether you're a pastor, whether you just open the door to the church in the morning, or shovel a parking lot when it snows, or whatever, seek God with all your heart. And, and you will be close to him and let him work through you. And then to the congregation as a whole, speak up the truth. If you're a pastor or a teacher or a person of influence, speak the truth out there. And it may be difficult because a lot of people may not want to hear you doing that. My friend, thank you for being with us, Alan. It is, it's, it's, it's an honor that you are on our first podcast. Uh, I wish you all the best in your, in your, new, in your new company, uh, but continuing your old ministry. Thank you, Will. God bless. I appreciate it. If you have any questions about our podcast, would like to be a guest, or would like to become a sponsor, please email us at podcasts at thepastorsvoice.net. Please also consider supporting this ministry by using the Support the Show link at the bottom. I am Rule Sample. Thank you for listening.